Next week, we'll pick that story up in John's Gospel, where he'll be teaching them about the Eucharist. We'll talk about the Mass. But this week, while, in, while I was in seminary, at, I was down at Queen of Peace that wanted for one of the year, pastoral year, we go out and stay in a parish for a year to make sure that we really want to do this, I guess. Uh, road testing, they call it, you know. But anyway, uh, somebody uh, wanted to uh, take wanted to take me on a trip to Medjugorje, so that's where we went. It was during the war, which, uh, looking behind, looking back, you wonder, you question your sanity in going over to a place like that during a war, but we did. And it was so, it was terribly exhausting. I fell asleep standing up with my eyes open in an air, in a line to check my luggage in. If you, anybody have that happen? I got dreams to uh, validate that. But anyway, we got there. It was night. And a, a totally exhausting flight, two change of planes, long layovers, left at three in the morning from PDX. We get there, it's a three hour bus ride because, because of what the war was going on. Normally you'd fly into Split, which is, uh, uh, is it Split? Yeah, it's about 25 minutes away, but we had to go into Dubrovnik, which is on the Adriatic, a three hour journey. It's a beautiful city though, but we flew in at night. We got a tour on the way home. so we. We got on this bus, and you're kind of opening and closing your eyes and all that stuff. And after about two hours, I made a remark to the person sitting next to me on the bus. I said, you know, it's funny. There are an awful lot of these particular buildings. I wonder what they are. Every so often I see this lit up kind of structure thing there. And the person said, didn't you realize we've been circling the airport for two hours on the perimeter road? I said, no. <laughs> Why? He said, I must have fallen asleep. He said, because they're bombing the road that we're traveling on, and they won't let us leave the airport till it's safe. I said my rosaries, I'll tell you. But we, three hours later, we got there. Five hours after that, they let us go. But uh, the reason I bring that story up is because if we're not careful, we can find ourselves going real fast and going in circles and getting nowhere. Because unless we've read the instruction booklet of life, which is the scriptures, and someone to interpret it like the church, we can find ourselves chasing the wrong things, and you end up right where you started, and that is with nothing. This is what I try to get through to people at funerals in a subtle kind of way, is that there's a lot of wisdom to be found there, in addition to the grief, and nobody wants to be at one of those, but there is a lot of wisdom, which is what's important is people. And being forgiven sometimes is important as well, and this, Jesus emphasizes this, but he also emphasizes balance in our lives, and this is what we find here. Jesus is at his most human here. He's fully God and fully human. We don't think about him being fully human. He gave up his omniscience. He, after all, through him all things were made, we're going to say in the creed. So we know how vast this universe is now, but the, the one who created that, and only the Lord knows what else is out there, put himself into a human brain with all of its limitations. So being fully human, he wanted to get away to rest. And if he wasn't fully human, we couldn't relate to him. And he didn't or chose not to know the future. It was a lesson for the apostles, and he wanted, and they wanted a rest. You can just imagine this huge crowd of people 
trying to hustling and bustling and trying to touch Jesus and the apostles and they they hadn't even eaten and all the rest of it I don't know if they got food on the boat but they sure got off they got going and they probably took their time crossing you know not a quick trip maybe Jesus had some kind of intimation about this but you know after all a straight shot across the lake is a lot quicker than walking around the lake but people figured out where it was going it's not hard they were going to that again that decapolis region mark is always seeing them going back and forth it means something in mark where is the other side for us we're on a journey to the other side which is the world to come only ours is a one-way trip jesus is going back and forth but the only rest they're going to get is on the boat because when they show up of course a lot of that crowd was there to meet them. Jesus accepted it. I wonder what the apostles thought when they saw this. But we don't see them hanging around. He probably let them go. But Jesus, being the good shepherd, unlike the bad ones that we heard in the first reading, dies to himself and decides to teach them. And this is where we get the great, uh, wonderful Eucharistic discourse when he talks about his real body and blood in John's Gospel. Um, he's making a sacrifice for them he doesn't have to do it but he does God the father interrupted Jesus's plans and Jesus went with it instead of choosing his will being the son of God he chose the father's will although it must have been very difficult in his human nature to see that group that he left behind waiting for him the, the monks up here have a the ethos that they live by it's called an orarium uh, of, of work and prayer and the divine office several times a day many of you have been up there at some point or another and we're very very blessed to have them and some of the other religious communities nearby it's it's a great blessing to have understand their life a little bit that aura at aura at labora work and prayer that's the that's the that's the heart of the rule of St. Benedict. In other words, a balanced life. One doesn't pray all day and one doesn't work all day. All work and no prayer and, you know, we're just fooling ourselves. You can't just say work is your prayer. Work is our prayer, but we also have these other moments. And each of us are different on where we fit that in, how we fit that in. Uh, I remember once saying we all should have an hour of prayer. I was a naive first year ordained person preaching and some mother came up to me I've told this before and she said father for your information the only time I get any time for prayer is by locking myself in the bathroom and turning the fan on I hope that's not too much information <laughs> she what she meant was she couldn't get away and I on their hand have a chapel over here if I don't get that hour in I can't do what I do you know you got to connect there but oftentimes the insights will come afterward. You open yourself to the spirit. So we, we too, we're not monks and we all have to find our own balance. But sometimes we're running away from life by doing constant work. Or we're running away from life by constant and only prayer. We are not monks, we're called to have a balance of the two. Uh, I, I, there was somebody in one of my previous parishes where we had adoration that was always in there and the meanest possible person when they came out. I thought, well, that's not authentic either. You know, uh, we, we find out how effective our prayer is and how we're actually reacting in the real world. We have, to, as I said, 
over for the pastoral year that all of us priests, at least in Portland, have, we have to get road tested. That's when we find out we're headed somewhere, which is a parish. We're not called to be seminarians, uh, which is more like a monastic life in some ways up there. Uh, and, but the thing about this gospel, though, is the third rail, which is being interrupted. What do we do when our plans are interrupted? That's where we often, the Father's will intersects with us, and we don't like it sometimes. You know, uh, one can think of any number of things. You all have your own. This happens daily to priests. Ours is a ministry of interruptions. We, we plan our day and God laughs, you know, as they say. Uh, it, it's always, when, when, somebody, when we have somebody dying, it's usually they come in threes, all at the same time, then you have a, a long span where nobody is sick, and then you'll have a whole bunch. And they, usually they're not convenient. It's not convenient for the family either. But that's God's will for us. Others have a more predictable life, but there's always those things. I've mentioned many times, I'm just putting together, somebody recommended this little app, and I was on my Mac that I have. I was going through it, actually having some fun with it. Uh, yesterday, I had a little time on my hands. You, uh, you can kind of, it's, it's a electronic bullet board and I decided to put the highlights of the last 12 months on there and there's a whole big section with an orange sky then you got all the all the ice storm the tree that fell over here the the turnaround we put in as a result of taking that tree out and then we had the COVID things which for, for me was one one first communion after the other in here you know we didn't have 10 people by then we were up to 100 but still you know those are the highlights we all went through together and then other wonderful blessings one forgets about but in the midst of all of that um, we have re the real life of God taking us in another direction than we were expecting to go uh, it, often it's an illness or a sudden uh, it, you know change of plans that comes up or we get to where we're going and find that it's not the way we expected uh, I, I can think of a thousand different things but the one I, the one, the patron saint of, of changed plans is St. Joseph. There's not one story about that man in the Gospels where he doesn't get a right-angled uh, approach from God. I won't go into all of them. You can go up to the grotto and you'll find the seven sorrows of St. Joseph. And you can see when you go up there uh, exactly what, what lies behind the scenes there, you know, wanting to marry a nice Jewish girl from Nazareth and then finding out she's going to have a child and the God is the father. Well, try that one on for size if you think that's not easy. And then, then taking a pregnant lady, his pregnant wife to Nazareth at nine months, not wanting that, change of plans, leaving your business behind and your whole life and all your possessions and having to go to Egypt for two years because your child is wanted to be murdered. and It just goes on and on and on. And he to his credit, puts his plans aside and follows God's will. It's not an accident that these stories are in the gospel. St. Joseph says nothing out loud, but his actions speak louder than words. He puts down, after a struggle, in one case, his will and does God's. The, first, the one that's really obvious is when Mary receives the angel Gabriel and, and our Lord is conceived, uh, Joseph goes to the divorce lawyer. So it was a real struggle for him to accept the will of God. God didn't tell him right away. 
And so us too, we're going to struggle. I'll bet every one of those 12 apostles struggled with what our Lord did. They probably looked at him and said, we came here for a rest. What do you mean we're going to teach all these people? And he probably let them go. But he was teaching us a lesson that, first of all, is there a balance in my life? Am I actually praying enough? I said this over and over during COVID because if we weren't praying, we're going to start losing little by little our active Catholicism. Others that drew much closer to God during that year because they began to watch on TV regularly or internet and they weren't before. It was a very interesting dynamic and from my point of view, very purifying for the church and for us. Uh, not an easy thing to go through. One can argue about different things, but the Lord has something in mind for us. And the, you know, the final insight in this that, that I wish to bring up is that once again, God invites us to see things from his point of view. The things that we have in mind are usually not the best. God's ways are the best, but they don't look very good. Very often, he takes us in a way we'd rather not go. But in the end, it's the best. And so if we begin to see things already from God's perspective, he, we invite him in and the Holy Spirit will begin to show us, without knowing everything, some of the benefits of what we're going through Again, he says, be patient with me while I bring forth the best fruit from you. I know what I'm doing. That, that, that quality of acceptance of the will of God, the intersection of our timeline where we're, we're marching forward through time and the present moment, which is eternity, where God exists. And that, that intersection is the present moment. And that's where all the grace is. But we'll miss it if we're not praying. We'll miss it if we're not offering our work to God. You know, I said a hundred times when I was handling passengers for 10 years with the airline, I did not realize how valuable that was before God, that each person was actually, in a sense, the will of God. It was just as valuable as being a priest, and so is everything you do. It, God asks of us only what he gives us, but he wishes us to give him and offer him the present moment to the best of our ability. And that can only be done if we have a, that connection with the Lord, with God. Jesus shows us this because he himself appears to not realize or did not think ahead, or at least as far as the apostles were concerned, appears to not, to find the unexpected and to change his plans deliberately so the apostles would, sh would see that even he had to obey the Father while he was on earth in his human condition, and so do we. So uh, we can do it our way, but we're going to end up in a place that is not as, as good at the end of our lives. Why not start now before we have that walk with our Lord and he shows us all the things that he wished to give us, if only we trusted him a little bit more. And uh, Jesus then, that deserted place ultimately is our own heart, where Jesus wishes to be with us alone at various times to talk with us uh, as one friend to another, if only we permit him to do so.